3: Colby chaos Covington. It's been a little bit since we've had the opportunity to chop it up. Of course, we just saw him compete at UFC 268 earlier this month in the main event at Madison square garden. Unfortunately he was on the wrong end of unanimous decision. It was a great fight. I know he's already been doing the media rounds, but uh, I'm very happy. He was able to squeeze in one more with us. Colby. Good to see you, man. How are you? Mike, I'm
4: doing great. Good to see you too, buddy.
3: So it's been around three weeks since the fight happened, very close competitive fight. I know you felt like you won the fight, but when you think back, reflect on everything, like how does it all feel a few weeks later? Is it a little bittersweet or like, how does it all feel?
4: Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's very bittersweet. you know, I, Looking back at the fight and seeing the fight again on, on videotape, I mean it's clear I won three, four, five. Those are my rounds. I almost finished him in the fourth round. At the end of the round, if there's 20 seconds left, he, he just doesn't survive. So the first round was very close too. I thought that you know potentially I could have that that round as well. So I, I feel like I won the fight pretty convincingly, four rounds to one. You know he got a lucky flash knockdown in the second, but it didn't hurt me at all. I was right. I, I came right up and came out the next round and just destroyed him that round. So. It's bittersweet, you know. I, I feel like Marty knows deep down inside that we have unfinished business, and this isn't over yet. You know, I mean, the only reason it's going to be over is if he retires and and you know goes and hides with his child somewhere in, in the world. So that's the only way it's over. Otherwise, this is my division. I'm not going anywhere. And and if you want to be the top of the mountain in this division, you got to come through me.
3: You mentioned in, in the build to the fight and a couple times afterwards that you essentially you didn't grow up in silk sheets very very humble beginnings very humble middles too i guess we could say but you know getting into the sport not a lot of money you, you sort of experienced that for yourself in this crazy journey of mma and all these years later you're headlining an event at madison square garden there's over 20,000 people there almost a 10 million dollar gate fourth highest gate ever at madison square garden eighth highest gate in ufc history that's a very big deal like what would a young Colby Covington think about that? That all these years later, with everything you've gone through, here you are at MSG with those kinds of numbers. If someone told you that when you were 12, 13, 14 years old that later on in life you're headlining MSG and pulling near record numbers, would you have believed them? Um,
4: I would have believed them. You know, I was a kid that, you know, I was I never lost hope or never lost faith in my dreams. You know, I, I believed you know, at a young age that I was going to be the best in the world. And I was going to do some, some just incredible things in life, you know, some, a spectacle and do big numbers and really, you know, get a crowd around, you know, my journey and everything that I've worked for my whole entire life. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a testament to just believing in myself and, and, and never giving up, you know, a lot of people they give up before they can really take that turn in life and, you know, reach the next level. But, you know my manifestation my belief in myself is just it's got me to this point and, and I know the best is yet to come you know it's amazing to sell out Madison Square Garden I mean that's such an iconic arena you know all the all the stars all the big names of every sport every uh profession have pre- performed there you know the you know, and to be the top fourth highest gate in, in the history of, of that existence of that arena is just, it's incredible, and then the pay-per-view numbers, you know, they went through the roof, you know, it was a, around almost a million buys, and who knows, you know, some of the people that are streaming it and, and doing it illegally, pirating it illegally, how, you know, how many buys they took up as well, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it didn't end how I expected it to and and, and how the fans deserved it to, but I think in the end, Mike. You know, even though I didn't, you know, they didn't. The, the three judges didn't award me the decision. They they awarded him the decision, three rounds to two, which which is a joke. I should have been winning 4-1 four, one, four, one or three two. I think the fans in the arena and the people around the world know who's the real champ now.
3: Kind of going back to, you know, where you've come from and and where you're where you're at now. I think every fighter at some point, at least from all the interviews that I've done, there's a fork in the road, right? With, without a lot of money, you're thinking to yourself, like, is it ever going to get to the point that I'm manifesting? Like, did it ever get to the point for you along the way where you thought to yourself, like, you know what, maybe this MMA thing isn't going to happen. Maybe I got to find a different avenue to, to be that guy. Maybe I need to get another job, work at 95 to just to eat and keep a roof over my head. Like, did it ever get to that point for you?
4: To be honest, it, it never did. I, I never let it. You know, I, the reason I'm at where I'm at is because how how strong my mind is. So anytime those negative thoughts started to creep inside my headspace, you know, I, I refused to let them occupy it. I, you know, I I cleared my mind. I found ways to breathe and be thankful just to be alive, man. It, it's not about the monetary gain in life. You know, like just because you have more money than someone doesn't mean you're better than them. It doesn't mean anything. So. You know, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have it. Money's a tool. It helps you be able to do things that you probably couldn't do on a regular basis, but that's not what makes you happy. You know, money's not going to make you happy in life and make you have a better life. It's just going to give you a couple more opportunities. But, you know, going back to what you said, no, I never doubted. I never got down on myself. I'm not one to complain. You're not going to hear me complaining, making excuses. Uh, feeling bad for myself, you know, and so I've never felt bad for myself. I never expected sympathy from anybody. I earned it the hard way, Mike, you know, riding my bicycle to the gym in the rain, you know, taking my skateboard to the gym, you know, and not being able to afford a lot of things, but, but giving up, you know, a childhood, an adulthood, you know, a, a lifestyle to create a better legacy and a life for myself, you know, through hard work and, and, and dedication and sacrifice. So, it's amazing to be where where I'm at now, and I don't think I could have really ever expected to be there. But I always kept my mind strong, like I was gonna be there.
3: When did you realize that you had taken those steps towards the other side? Like I know the promos in the UFC started to get a little more fierce, a little more polarizing. The the one in Brazil obviously sticks out in the UFC. But even before that, was there a moment, a fight, a performance where you were just like, "I got this shit. We're off to the races now."
4: Yeah, definitely. Uh, after the RDA fight when, you know, I was fighting him in his prime and he was at his absolute best, you know, he was on all the Brazilian vitamins, you know, he was juiced up hungry to, to defend his country, Brazil, you know, cause I, you know, those people are filthy animals. I called that place a dump cause it was a dump. I didn't enjoy my experience there. They treated me like shit. They yelled mean things at me. They said, I wanted, to, I was gonna die. You buy more hay. So, you know, I know the animosity going into that fight with RDA was a lot and being in the United Center, you know, the place where Michael Jordan, the go to basketball, Perform and then getting to perform their headline and win a world title and then go to the White House, call my shot to the White House, only fighter in the history of this company to ever go to the White House, hang out with a sitting president in the Oval Office. That's when I knew I made it. That's when I knew, you know, how powerful my words are. And, you know, just like President Trump always told me, promises made, promises kept.
3: And then headlining MSG with the UFC welterweight title on the line. And, you know, just going back to like some of those old interviews, if there's one thing that's consistent, it's that. You fighters, you are your own worst critics, Colby, and I think you've probably been that way at some point. Maybe you're still that way. They could deliver a 30-second knockout and find something wrong with it. Like, how would you? I know you felt like you won the fight, but how would you grade your performance overall? Would you say you were overall thrilled with it? Were you happy with it? Were Were there things you could pick apart?
4: No, there there was a ton of things I could pick apart. You know, I I am my own worst critic, but. You know, I did make a lot of mistakes in that fight. You know, I I, kind of deviated away from my game plan that my coaches, you know, Jonathan Lopez, Cesar Carnero, and Daniel Valverde, you know, instructed me to do And I kind of got away from that. I wanted to brawl a little bit more than, you know, I should have been. I should have been keeping my guard a little bit higher, hands up, being a little bit more technical. But, you know, I just... You know, there's so much animosity, and there's such a real hatred between me and that guy. I, I have no respect for him. He's a cheater. He's cheated in both fights that I fought him. I fought him 10 rounds now. He's cheated in both fights. He cheats outside the fights, you know, doing steroids, getting getting his brother, who's a doctor, giving him, you know, enhancement and, and performance-enhancing drugs, you know, and he's just ahead of the curve, you know. There was a time when Lance Armstrong and, and uh, Barry Bonds were ahead of the curve in baseball, and it's just... You know, it's just what it is, you know, people find ways to beat the test, but I've never cut corners, I never cheated in my life, I've done things the hard way, I earned it, you know, the hard way, the blue collar American way, and and, uh, yeah, just like, uh, you know, I got unfinished business
3: it seemed like it took you a couple of rounds to get going and you sort of alluded to, you know, you wanted to brawl a little bit more, maybe you didn't have your guard up. And I know you told James Lynch about the knockdown in the second round that it woke you up and it showed because the aggression obviously picked up quite a bit down the stretch, a little more tactical. You went for a little bit more. How did you feel when the fight started?
4: When the fight started, I felt great. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I was listening to my coaches, you know, The coaches that I acquired at Colby Covington Incorporated are are the world-class, the best coaches in in their craft and what they do. Cesar Carnero, the striking that he has helped me with and and the kickboxing and what tie that he shows me is just... And it's so conducive for my game and and the way I want to fight guys. So he just helped me understand timing, reflexes, and just having unbelievable combinations now that are very safe and effective. So, you know, I, I just feel like... You know, and Daniel Valverde, you know, what he brings with the wrestling and judo takedowns, you know, I mean, there's no doubt I took down Marty in that fight. He does not have, you know, uh, he's not as, he doesn't have a hundred percent takedown, you know, ratio anymore. That That's out the window, you know, I don't care what the UFC wants, say. They, they don't wrestle, they didn't grow up wrestling. I've been wrestling since I was seven years, Mike. There's not someone that that's been doing whatever they've been doing, you know, their whole life, which is probably sitting in their mom's basement eating Cheetos. And then they want to come out and act like they're the statistician for a sport they know nothing about. So, you know, I clearly took him down. I got the best coaches in the world and we're just getting better every every day. My brother, the best is yet to come. I promise you, Mike, I'm just getting warmed up.
3: Yeah, like how is that not a takedown? Like I wasn't a wrestler, but I know what a 2-point takedown is, and by definition that's a 2-point takedown. And shout out, I don't know if you've seen this on YouTube, Colby, but there's a guy named Weasel and he goes out he did due diligence on this whole situation. I thought it was a takedown with my non-wrestling knowledge, but he went out, found similar takedowns in the past. One was like with the old rule set in 2016. I think it was it was Habib taking down I forget who it was, but then they went back to like once the new rule set came in and it was Arman Sarukian taking down Islam Makachev. Almost the same thing. It was a struggle to get him down, had the same almost exact back position that you had, like in that position with almost a seatbelt. And then Makachev was up in like a minute, in like a second, maybe 1.5 seconds. And they credited Armand with the takedown, but they didn't credit you for the takedown. and It was almost exactly the same. Like, how did you react to like finding out that this wasn't a takedown?
4: Just standard on the course, Mike, just I've never gotten a fair shape my whole entire career. I mean, I got the politicians, you know, I got the judges, I got the refs, I got everybody conspiring against me. No one wants me to win, Mike, just because I wore a red hat that says make America great again. What's so bad about those couple little words, just because those little words, you know, and I support a president, you know, and I love my country, America. What's so wrong with that? I love our troops. I love our, our first responders, our law enforcement. And and I'm the bad guy. Everybody wants to pay me in the back. No one wants to give me credit for what I've earned and what I do. So, you know, I, I, I think it's hilarious, you know, that they're, they're not wrestlers. They know nothing about wrestling. You look at Daniel Cormier on the broadcast saying, "You know, that's clearly two points. That's a takedown, man." That guy's wrestled since he was like he was since he was in diapers. I mean, the guy wrestled all the way up until the Olympics. You know, he's done everything, you know, as a youth wrestler, middle school, high school, college, Olympic, you know, like, and you're
3: going to tell that guy he's wrong. Hmm. That's sounds pretty, uh, pretty weird. He's still coaching wrestling. So he knows like he's still watching his high school kids wrestle and he's dealing, he's in, he's in the sport almost on a daily basis so i think if there's one guy you can believe in this entire situation by the way i have to bring this up because there was a i think you should have got it on principle because of the fence grab because there was a fence grab there
4: exactly no one wants to look at those things like that he's holding the fence to stay up you know and and clearly cheating when is there a point going to be taken you know And, and even look at the fourth round or the fifth round before he pokes me in the eye like 10 seconds before it you know the ref uh Warned him. He was like, "Hey, keep keep your fingers close." And then he pokes me in the eye. Like, "Come on, man! He's trying to stop my momentum. I'm wearing on him. He's not. He's feeling that he can't touch me anymore. And I've got his timing down. And I'm ready to counter him and knock his ass out." So I was coming for him. He wanted to stop my momentum again. You know, the guy's a cheater, man. He's a coward. And you know, hopefully, I get to fight him for a trilogy, Mike. I, I really truly deserve that. I deserve a trilogy. If if you're gonna give Max Holloway a trilogy when he lost two fights, you can't base it on losing two fights because both fights were close, Mike. The first fight I won multiple rounds was very close. It was obviously an early stoppage. I'm a warrior, man. I go out on my shield. You can't can't just knock me down and that's the fight. No, you gotta put me unconscious, which no man alive can do that, man, because I fight for something bigger than me and the energy that I get by the military, by the first responders, our law enforcement, our firefighters, those people fuel me, man. It's just my mind is so strong from those guys. They inspire me so much that there's just you can't get me out of that octagon. So one little knockdown that doesn't define a fight. I'm still fighting. If we're if there's extra rounds after that five rounds, I'm still going. I'm still I'm still warming up. I'm still getting better. You know, he's not gonna survive. He's done. That's all he has.
3: Going back and watching, do you watch those first two rounds and think, damn, like if I just came out a little more aggressively? And I get who has been so a powerful, like is, is he's a powerful guy. Like he can hit you and he can drop you. Like you got the, it was a flash knockdown in the second round, but you know what I mean? Like, do you have any regrets about those first two rounds at all? You know, Mike, I, I,
4: I try not to have any regrets in my life and try and live with my decisions. Uh, there's definitely, yeah. Hindsight's 2020. 20. Of course, you know, looking at it, it's like, man, why did you start slow? And then, you know, come on late hard later in the fight, you know, after the second round. So, I could always look at it like that but you know the, the beautiful thing about life is as long as you learn from your past mistakes and, and use it for your future then then that's what's going to help you in the long run and, and and the past doesn't really matter you know the past is the past i can't change the past but i can promise you that it's only fueled me and made me want to work so much harder to, to change everything in the future
3: you mentioned the knockdown and i know you have an issue with people scoring the second round of 10-8 for kamar uzman and that's the problem with judging and scoring in MMA. It's that you use a boxing scoring system for a totally different sport because you're going to run into these types of debates because knockdowns mean a hell of a lot more in boxing than they seem to mean in mixed martial arts. I know you're against this round being scored a 10, eight, but can you, can you at least understand why people thought that way because of the scoring criteria and how it's shaped off of a boxing model?
4: I mean, this is MMA. This isn't boxing. You know, there shouldn't be any type of parallel there. You you're talking about two completely different sports. I mean, MMA is not a sport, man. That's that's cage fighting. That's that's a brawl. You know, that's just, There's no way to define it. Boxing is so, you know, refined. There's there's actually rules set, and, and you know, they use twelve ounce gloves. You know, MMA we use four ounce gloves. So yeah, if you get touched in the right spot in the temple, it's gonna kind of like kind of turn your 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 program off for like maybe a half quarter second, you know, like a computer Oh, hardwired. Oh, okay. I'm good. You know, I'm right back in it. So you can't, you can't score like you score boxing because you know, you have different gloves, different, different rule sets and just, you know, it's a, it's a lot more dangerous in MMA. So you can't, I mean, if you go look at the second round too, like I, the reason I rushed in, he was able to flash knock down me. I catch him with a jab and it like stumbled him and he like stumbled back and and then he caught his bearings, and I rushed in with my hands down, and he just kind of clipped me with the left hook. But uh, definitely not a 10-8 round. I mean, it was very, that whole round was very close. Like, I, I thought I was winning that round until, you know, he got the flash knockdown, but but no, that's not a 10-8 round, that's not dominant. Two quick little lucky punches right on the temple just, just kind of just put me down for a, a quarter second, and I'm right back up, you can't, that's not a 10-8 round, that's not dominant.
3: And it was obviously a tale of two fights. you first two rounds by the, by the midway through the third, I thought you had completely taken over the fight. It was, it was yours the rest of the way I thought, you know, you definitely won four and five, three was the closest round. In my opinion, and then one and two, you know, went the way that they went, but I know you talked about that moment with Kamara at the end and big dance telling you guys to separate and stop the love fest or whatever. And you know, it was kind of a nice moment, Colby. And I know you joke about the promo code for my bookie. That's what you're trying to give him, but, nope. you know, everybody thought it was a nice moment man like everyone everyone liked what you said after the fight and then the psychology of this all was was really fascinating to me because you show up at the press conference everyone's glowing about how that moment and what you said after the fight and it was all over back, back to hammering Usman verbally we're playing the seeds for the Mazadal fight which we'll get into in a moment was there any part of you that was I don't know you even know if you noticed it that was taking it all in saying you know what Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the the full on babyface turn. Was there any chance of that press conference going differently? Was there any inner dialogue before you went back in there?
4: Mike, let let's let's backtrack first. Let, you thought I was joking when I told Submission Radio that you know it was a promo code. That's what happened, Mike. <laughs> I said, Marty. Marty, come here. Come a little closer. Marty, come here, come a little closer. Barty, a little closer. Use promo code Colby at mybookie.ag, and let's get those bets in, man. I'm, I'm trying to help him. He may be my enemy, Mike, but I'm trying to make the guy rich, man, and there's no problem in that. So that wasn't a wholesome moment. That was just me trying to help him out for the future, you know, get him paid. So, you know, I have no respect for that guy, Mike. He's a cheater, plain and simple. Anybody that wants to not look at the facts, you know, you know, then they're delusional and they live their life in, in a fantasy. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with people that want to live their lives like that. But I know the truth. The people know the truth. And, I mean, it's pretty easy to look into. I mean, you're not just going to be a 35-year-old middle-aged man who's already went through puberty. And, you know, you're not just going to be having the chemical imbalance and pimples all over your back, all over your shoulder, all over your face. I mean, it's pretty, cl- it's pretty clear that, you know, he is the CEO of EPO. And, you know, his name is Marty Juiceman.
3: Dana White heaped praise on you after the fight, and he made, and he's one of the things that stuck out to a lot of people is he said that if Kamaru Usman wasn't in the UFC or not in this division, you would be the champion right now. Do you take that as a compliment? No.
4: I, I'm the champion. I don't know what Dana's talking about. I'm America's champion. That's a bigger championship than their title. I'm Donald Trump's favorite fighter. That's a way bigger title than, than any title in the UFC, so... You know, I don't take no prayer. I, I am the champion Dana, what are you talking about? Go look at the 10 rounds that we fought. If you look at the body of work of 10 rounds, I'm easily up six four probably seven three. I would say seven three through ten rounds. So I'm the champion. I, I don't know just because I don't have some some plastic title that, that they award and hand out. Okay, cool that's just you know that's just what you guys think. let's go let's go ask the people. let's go ask the people who's their champion. you know I'm the people's champion. And I'm showing up for the people, and I'm just getting started for the people. The people haven't seen nothing yet. Uh, I got a show, and I got entertainment to give them to make their lives so much better.
3: What would mean more to you now, becoming the undisputed UFC welterweight champion by defeating somebody not named Kamara Usman or just beating Kamara Usman in a non-title fight? Just
4: just beating, you know, Marty Fake Newsman. That's it, you know. I'm a better fighter than him. We're so evenly matched that that's a fight that needs to be played out over a championship series, you know, a best of 7, you know. That 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 makes sense to do that because it's just such a close fight on paper, you know. We you know, we have so many, you know, similar attributes that we do with MMA, you know, in the in our game plan and style. So you know, I think if we fought seven times, I'm beating him 4-2. You know, he, he's gotten out to a lucky lead, getting these first two because he had judges on his side, he had ref on his side. He, he cheated the whole time. I didn't cheat one time. I didn't poke him in the eyes. I didn't grab a fence. I didn't hit in the back of the head. When I warned the ref again, hey, don't don't let him hit me in the back of the head. He loves to go right for the back of the head because they just knows that you hit someone in the back of the head, it kind of short circuits them, man. It's a it's a it's a soft spot, man. You hit someone in the back of the head, you're gonna make them see stars very quickly. So. You know, I'm not a cheater, I'm not a coward like him, and and um, I'm there's no pride in Dana saying that. You know, I, I I will be undisputed champion and and the long run's gonna tell the truth about who was the better fighter. He's either gonna retire and he knows he got lucky and get out of my way, or you know, he's gonna stay around and and I will beat his ass.
3: Do you think you'll fight do you think you'll ever fight him again? Like in your heart of hearts, do you feel like you'll fight him again?
4: I feel like I will, you know, I feel like if he retires, you know, I mean, even he was talking about it after the fight saying, Hey man, there might be a challenge with Colby. So he knows deep down in, inside in his heart, like he hasn't shown that he's the better fighter, Mike. He's been in the arena with me for almost an hour now, two fights separately, 10 rounds, and, and he knows that he hasn't proved that he's the better fighter. He hasn't left me unconscious. He didn't knock me out. He didn't submit me. He didn't dominate me pillar to post from round one to round five. No, <laughs> I beat him both fights in multiple rounds. The last fight was clearly mine. I had him so hurt in the fourth round. He, he shouldn't even have made it out. I mean, he's lucky he got the one-minute break, and, the, and you know, the, the coach was buying some more time to let him breathe a little bit and recuperate but through ten rounds, man, he hasn't proved that he's a better fighter. Man, he needs to come out here and dominate to show that he's the best fighter. So he hasn't done that. And uh, cool, man, you want you want to go claim to people that you're the champion and you're better than me, but deep down inside, you know everybody knows the truth.
3: I mean, let's—I'll be completely fair with you. I, and and I'm not just saying this because you're here. I said immediately after the fight that I want to see a third fight. Like I'm more interested in a third fight than I was in the second fight. If we're being honest, I thought. I feel like you two are just tied together in the best possible way. It's a legitimate sports rivalry. Like I know it's personal with you. Uh, and it's probably still a little personal with him as well, but I think from a competitive sporting sense, I think you two guys were kind of made for each other. Like you're, you, you, you cross paths at the right time in your careers. Cause I remember we did an interview long time ago. Like you were just getting into the top 15. you both fight dong, he Kim and, Usman was kind of in the similar spot and you had said a lot. I mean, you weren't a big fan of him back then, but I feel like that fight could have happened then. And it wouldn't be as big as it is now. I feel like you guys came together at the right time. Do you agree with that? Like personal feelings aside from a business sense, Colby Covington and Kamara Usman cross paths at the absolute perfect time.
4: Yeah, Mike, I, I wanted to fight him earlier. I wanted to fight him as soon as he won the tough show and he was in the UFC. I asked his manager, you know, Glenn Robinson. I said, hey, let's fight, man. Let's get this fight going. He didn't want to fight me. He was looking for any way around to maneuver through the the UFC division to get to a title without fighting a good wrestler that could challenge him in that department because he just liked to take guys down and and hold them down. But he knows he's not a better wrestler than me. He can't take me down. He can't hold me down. He can't – he doesn't even want to wrestle with me. He's so scared to do that. So I knew it was destiny that we were going to fight and cross paths someday. And To be honest, I'd fight that guy for free, man, and that's – that's a, probably, that's a lot of what the second fight was about. I told the UFC, just give me this guy. I'm not looking to get paid. I just want to fight this guy. I'll fight him for free. If I see him out in the parking lot, I'll fight him there. If I see him in Miami, he's definitely getting swung on. And we just got unfinished business, man. It's just, it's, it's such a sour taste in my mouth because I didn't get a fair shake. And it just, that's not how a rivalry should end. There should be closure, you know, and there's no closure to this fight. It's still an open chapter. and. You know, the the best parts of it are still written in to come. We'll see who keeps working hard, Mike. That, that's what's going to define everything. Who's going to stay in the gym? Who's going to be more hungry? Who wants it more? So I know how bad I want it. We'll see if he's still here next year, Mike.
3: We, we gotta talk about the Mazadal stuff because we've talked about this rivalry at nauseum at this point, and it seems like the timing, talking about timing, it's perfect right now, especially with, with Mazadal withdrawing from his fight against Leon Edwards at UFC 269. I don't know if you saw this, but Mazadal was recently on the MMA Hour and said that his first choice, if we're up to him, rebook the fight with Leon in March, and then if that doesn't happen, you would sort of be the next guy, he'll baptize you, so forth and so on. Did you see <laughs> that at all? And if so, how did you react to that?
4: Man, that's so funny because he had told, like, a close friend of mine, like, when I was still training at the old gym that I was at, that he trains at now, that uh, he came up to me, like, after I beat Damien and a guy who smoked him and beat him up. He was like, oh, Kobe, I'm going to baptize him. If I see him, man, he's getting baptized. He'd never say it to my face. He would just say it to, like, my friends behind the back. just trying to act funny, trying to act like he was tough, and he was street thug. He's tough, man. He'll beat you up on the street, outside, anywhere. Dude, that guy's such a little bitch, man. Every time he came around me, dude, just tucked his tail between his legs, walked out the door, put his head down, never made eye contact with me because he knows better. He knows he's my little son. So, you know, he's such a little bitch. He's a fragile little bitch, Mike. He was leaving the gym the other day, crying because of his ribs. Oh, my ribs, oh, oh, my ribs hurt so bad. He's crying, literally like a little bitch. Dude, you're a grown-ass man. You're crying, man? Dude, that's sad, man. Get the fucking tissue. Go get a Kleenex sponsorship. So it's pretty pathetic, man. I know someone had to even drive him. You got a little hurt ribs, big big deal, fragile boy, Masvidal. Go drive your cell phone. Don't call someone else crying and have them drive you to the hospital because you're too soft to get there on your own.
3: Do you feel like this will be the fight, the next fight for you? It's gonna be you and Masvidal next, March, April, whenever. Do you feel like this is the one?
4: To be honest, not really. I mean, and it will only be, be because of one side and that's his side, I mean, Mike, this fight was supposed to happen for eight months last year, you know, so I'm not going to get my hopes up. I could give a shit, I could give a fuck less about fighting this guy. He's a bum, he's a fucking, he's a street Judas journeyman. He's got 20 fucking losses. I don't give a fuck, dude. The guy sucks. Mike, I've been beating him up for the last eight years. I mean, I used to leave him unconscious in our living room for free. So I have nothing to prove, Mike. I I already know my legacy. I already know what I've done in this sport. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep evolving, keep getting better and just, Keep lining them up and knocking them down one by one. I'm going to keep winning and get my belt. So it doesn't matter if if I fight him or if I fight this Joe Schmo or this or that. I'm just going to keep winning and doing what I do best. And I can't control if guys want to fight me or not. You know, I know he don't want to fight me and he's scared. And, you know, he's just – he knows who his daddy is. But what can I do? I'm just going to keep making the best fights that the people want, that the UFC wants – And, you know, if it happens, it happens. But I will not get my hopes up. I could give a shit less if I fight him. I've already beat him up so many times that whatever, dude. If he he doesn't want to fight me and he he goes into retirement or just leaves the sport forever because he's a fragile little brittle bitch, then big deal. You know, I already know him as dad and, and and I own him. So I got nothing to prove. Only he should have something to prove. He should come out and want to defend himself for all the mean things I said about him, you know about you know hanging out with his ex-wife the mother of his children you know we had a good day together I, you know i played with maritza and we were playing video games and we had a really good talk you know on the couch and you know we were just talking about you know all the money that she's going to make from that little bitch because he's got to pay alimony and child child support so you know he should come want to shut my mouth man and oh man i said some mean things so you should come want to you know shut me up but he's not gonna do it mike he knows who his daddy
3: is A lot of people want to see you guys coach the ultimate fighter and I get it. It would get people to watch good for everybody. I'm sure it'd be pretty lucrative for the two of you and that's great. But I have to be honest, Colby As as fun as that would be to watch this whole ultimate fighter show. It needs an overhaul. It's a great opportunity for the fighters. Always love that. Always love seeing fighters get the shine that don't necessarily get it now. But, dude, this show is the same as it was 15, 16 years ago. We're we're still even wearing the freaking basketball jerseys, Colby. It is all the same show, and as fun as you and Mazadal would be coaching against each other, it doesn't fix the show. You know what I mean? Like, how can we fix the show from a presentation level? You guys will bring some eyeballs, but how do we, like, how do we fix the ultimate fighter? Like, if you could run the ultimate fighter, how do we fix it?
4: I mean, you know... I don't want to step on the UFC's toes. That's their business. <laughs> and however they're, they want to run their model, you know, then that's what's best for them and what's best for business in the ESPN. So, you know, I, I mean, I think the first and foremost, obviously the best way to fix a show is bring people in that are going to make it worth watching. That, that are going to make you want to say hey i want to get my popcorn ready i'm getting off work and i'm setting the dvr and i'm on the couch with my popcorn ready to watch you know the ultimate fighter show at this time each week so you need people that are going to gonna bring that audience in you know people that have main street you know name value not just people that the casuals or the the hardcore fans know. you need to know you need to have people that you know the the casuals know and and our big name value in in the spotlight so you know people like me and people like street jewish masvidal are, are the type of people that bring those eyes in and you know you need people that have you know entertainment value and, and and can create a show and really give the people their money's worth so you know you need that's what i do and i can't say that he does that he's just fake he says all these things and he doesn't ever back up any of the things he says. Everything I've told you, Mike, my whole entire career, like, has pretty much been right to a T. You know, I've, I've backed up everything I've told you. I'm a man of my word. I mean, he can't say the same thing. He said all these things. He's talked reckless in the media. Oh, it's on site when I see Colby. Oh, I'm gonna beat him up in the parking lot. Oh, I'm the sucker punch king. I run Miami. No, dude, I've seen you multiple times. You're scared. You're soft. I run Miami, and you're my son, Jorge Masvidal.
3: So you would do this? You would do the ultimate fighter, the whole damn thing?
4: I would do it for the UFC, you know, for Hunter Campbell, for Dana White. You know, those are my people. You know, I take care of my people. So if that's what they want, they they want to give me that opportunity, then then I'm going to shine. I'm going to take that opportunity, and I'm going to do what I do best, just have fun, you know, and, and, and make the people laugh, give them some entertainment, you know, and just, you know, but that's just going to be through truth. The truthful things that I say to George, the honest truth, that – I know him like the back of my hand, man. We lived together for two years, trained together for eight years, you know, been all over the world together. So now he's my biggest enemy. You know, a big, I didn't think anybody could be a bigger enemy than than uh, Usman, but you know, this guy's taking the cake. It's personal. We're going to fight one way or another, I promise you. It doesn't matter if it's in the octagon. We live pretty close to each other. I know he's in hiding. He, he won't come out and show face talk due to that face. But one day we will cross paths, Mike, and, and, it, and it will end very, very bad.
3: A C- couple last quick things and I appreciate you giving me so much time. I-, I know, I know you've been asked about a lot of things already, but I, I do want to go back to something that you were asked about the media day, the the, the Shemaya conversation, because you said what you said about him. I'm sure you're ready for that question. But even your buddy Chael Sonnen thinks that if both sides are in, this could be a very big and potentially lucrative fight between the two of you guys. There'd be a lot of buzz considering the excitement behind him, the excitement around you as well. Does that fight interest you at all? Because knowing the UFC, it wouldn't shock me one bit to see that being a potential thing that they would want to put together. Does that interest you at all? Like if they came to you tomorrow and said, hey, you and Shamayev, co-main event, huge pay-per-view, March or April, would that interest you at all?
4: Man, I can't believe that his mother named him shot. That's such a disgrace, man. It's just like the disrespect, man. It's like his mom doesn't even give a shit about him. I don't think he celebrates Mother's Day. I think that's like over there in his country, wherever he's from. Uh, I don't think they, he celebrates that. Getting called cum shot, man. Cum shot's a joke, though, Mike. That guy, he needs to be someone like worthy, like someone in the top five, someone in the top of the rankings, not just fight hand-picked people. And what has he got, three, three four UFC fights?
0: Four.
4: The, the media loves to rush these kids, you know, and, and these hype jobs. And this is fighting, man. People get seriously hurt for rushing people like that. So if you guys want to rush a guy and take some time off his life and send him for a hospital trip, then, then yeah, I, I'm always open for that. I love doing good business, and I love doing business for the UFC. And it would be an honor to, to be whoever they want me to be. And if that's the name they put in front of me, I can promise you I'm going to train extremely hard, Mike. And I'm going to show a new skill set that the world hasn't seen yet. And you kind of see that from me every fight. I get better every fight. I add new layers to my game. So whoever they try and match me up with next, you will see a new layer to my game. And someone's going to get seriously hurt. Now I was playing before. Now I'm fucking serious. Now I'm really pissed off and I want my belt. And anybody in my way is going to find out how bad they're going to get beaten for trying to get in the way of my belt.
3: Is it kind of tough for you to watch how much buzz he's getting right now? Because people are literally talking about him fighting for the belt right now. Like get him right in there with Usman. It took you, what, 10 fights, like eight or nine wins to get to that Dos Anjos fight. And to see him get some of these opportunities, it seems like you said, the promotion is ready to push him to the moon. Is that frustrating for you to watch consider? I know you don't regret anything and the road you took is the road you took, but is it kind of frustrating for you watching this when it took you so long?
4: Not really, Mike, because I think what we've learned with not only just for sport and the USC is is with the world and the way this, this world has changed and the way it is these days, you know, this is the the handout generation, you know, handouts are awarded on the daily, you know, the government loves to give out handouts left and right. And so, you know. And it's the participation trophy generation. So, you know, th- this guy is nothing more than a participation trophy winner and, you know, a handout winner. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's that's what it is. You know, I, I don't really even look it, into what other people are doing or what they're being awarded, you know. I know my path. I know my journey and what it took to get here. You know, I took the long road. I didn't cut any corners. I didn't cheat. I've never cheated or done anything in the octagon or outside the octagon to, to warrant cheating. And, And, you know, I took the road, hard road here. So I just, I feel like that's the true American way. You know, nothing's given to us here in America. Adversity is filled every single day, and we have to overcome these obstacles if we want to make it to the path to success. So, you know, I don't pay attention to anything that, I only stay in my lane and focus on, you know, what's in my lane. I don't really focus on other people's lane. Big fucking deal. You you know, you got to hand out the participation trophy, but, you know, in the long run, people aren't going to remember that. They're just going to remember what happened? It's had the octagon.
3: So, you would be open to that fight if everything was presented the right way?
4: Mike, I'm the best fighter in the entire planet. I'm the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. I'm an undisputed, I'm the undefeated, you know, never been stopped, never been even touched in the octagon. I'll fight anybody. I, you know, that's what the best in the world they do. They come out and they prove it. You know, I'm one to prove it. You know, guys like Jorge Masala, he won't prove it. He just says things to the media. He talks reckless, but he won't prove it. I'm out here ready to prove it. So anybody, bring them all. Just don't expect to get them back in one piece, Mike.
3: Colby, I think I've taken up enough of your time. I just looked at the clock. I was like, holy shit, we've been talking for like 40 something minutes now. So I, I appreciate. If we've been doing this for a while. Sometimes time just goes by, Colby. You know, it's just going by. I'm thankful for this time. It is Thanksgiving Eve as we record this right now. You're drinking your Bang Energy drink. What What is that flavor, by the way? I know you were talking to Lynch about it, and I, it drove me crazy that I couldn't remember it. Was it yeah. nectarine blueberry?
4: <laughs> nectarine blueberry, man. This this one's a game changer. I'm telling anybody out there, you need to try this one. It's this one of their newest flavors. I know you can get them at vitamin shops, so if you go... To the vitamin shop you can get that if you go to if you have a kroger's kroger's will probably have them as well and and i was also eating one of their protein bars man This jump bar delicious man i'm telling you this is the perfect stocking stuffer you want to get some good stocking like healthy like people need to promote good health and like eating healthy they're talking about all this stuff that can kill you you know like fast food and candy and this and that man let's you know let's be healthy let's let's bring healthy back and uh yeah, no better way than bang energy. Shout out to Jack Owa.
3: Colby, I appreciate the time very much. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with family and friends and uh, if we don't speak, enjoy the rest of the year and hopefully we see you back there in March, April and in a big time fight, man. I appreciate the time and, and tremendous fight at UFC 268. It was it was a it was a joy to watch. It was just two high-level guys getting after it and I enjoyed it very much.
4: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. It's good to to talk to you again and and all the talks that we've had along the journey for the last you know 10 or so years and and um i look forward to talking to you again after the holidays happy holidays to you and the family god bless you guys and uh, i'll talk to you soon
3: you too man thank you again you're listening to the vox media podcast network the nba playoffs are
0: heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba